belong, become, believe. You're listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. The message for January 7th, 2024 is called Sabbath as Witness. The speaker is John Ray and the location is Central United Methodist Church Chapel in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Happy New Year. Well, welcome again. My name is John Ray. If you're listening on the podcast or watching on the live stream, we're really glad you're here. Um, So it's that time of year, right? For the list, for all the resolutions, everything that's going on. It's, it's a little overwhelming if your email box is like mine. You get the constant barrage of year-end list and New Year's resolutions and, you know, what's the best movie? What's the best song? What's the best recipe? What was it last year? What's it going to be next year? How do you do these things? What are the top 10, ten things you have to experience? What are the five things you must do this coming year? It's this just barrage of do, 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 do. Um, that's coming through. It is so exhausting. Um, And look, lists have their place. I make lists of one sort or another all the time. But unless there's a balance, a solid place of perspective to rightly orient from, they will straight up crush us. One of the most important places to orient ourselves in and from is that of Sabbath, what we're going to be talking about today, the next five weeks in our table groups throughout the spring and even into the summer some will be touching base on this idea. And Sabbath, look, I know it's a churchy word, but I can't overstate how important it is. We all know we need, even crave, rest. Or am I the only one? with that. Sabbath teaches us what the world would deny us. How to rest differently. How to truly rest and rest deeply. And not just for our own sake, but for the sake of others. Sabbath teaches us to rest differently for different reasons from different meanings. Ultimately, practicing Sabbath is an act of faithful witness for us and from us. The practice of Sabbath is something that offers a witness to the world of what our faith is about, but also bears witness to us about the God, about God and how we fit in all creation. There's a lot here that we're going to unpack over the next coming weeks with that. The two texts, though, that we want to start with today, um, the first one's the most obvious. The fourth, and I would add, most neglected of the Ten Commandments. The second one is a story of Jesus from Matthew that gives us a glimpse into how Sabbath can be mispracticed and then corrected. So let's read these, looking starting with Exodus 20, starting with verse 8, the fourth commandment. The longest of the commandments, by the way, as well. Remember the Sabbath day to set it apart as holy. For six days you may labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or for your, or your cattle or the resident foreigner in your gates. 
For, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Now Matthew 12, starting at verse 1. And at that time Jesus went through the grain fields on a Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and they began to pick heads of wheat and eat them. But when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is against the law to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Haven't you read that when David, what David did when he and his companions were hungry, how he entered the house of God and ate the sacred bread, which was against the law for him or his companions to eat, but only for the priest? Have you not read in the law that the priest in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are not guilty? I tell you something is greater than the temple is here. If you had known what it means, I want mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now again, I said Sabbath is a churchy word. It is a strange word. It's, in a way, it's really utterly strange to us in a 24-7, 365, constantly available, constantly churning society. When I... Often when I take people out in the wilderness and we're reflecting, we're sitting around a campfire looking under the stars, I'll talk about how reconnecting us with nature is an essential part because in here we control nature. With a flip of a switch, we control whether it's night or day. With the turn of a thermostat, whether it's spring, summer, winter, fall. We literally control night, day, seasons. We go to the store. We eat strawberries in the winter. There's never a time where we can't access certain things. It's a constant with that. You know, we're not meant to live that way. Now, there are benefits to it. I'm not saying that we all go, you know, run away and um, do cabins in the wood, although that would be fun. Um, but we need something to balance that illusion that we are in control. We need something to orient and give us perspective about it. In a way, I think we need a slogan for this series, and it's keep Sabbath strange. Or make Sabbath strange again. I don't know. One of those, like, it's, it's, uh, it's something that I think we think we know what it is, and we don't. And I'm saying this for myself. I haven't got it figured out, y'all. I'm learning along with everybody as we're teaching. Hopefully I'm one or two steps ahead, but I'm not that far ahead. But this is something that I'm seeing. It's becoming clear after a culmination of, of over three decades in the ministry of how important this is and how often it's been neglected. Brueggemann, again, who we took the reading from this, the earlier, he said, I have come to think that the fourth commandment on Sabbath is the most difficult and most urgent of the commandments in our society. Because it summons us to intent and conduct that defies the most elemental requirements of a commodity-propelled society that specializes in control and entertainment, bread and circuses, along with anxiety and violence. Sabbath invites us to act in a way that contradicts those things. It's weird, though. Over the years, I've come to hear so many reasons, and I've used such reasons myself, for ignoring this command. And most often, what, is, what do you think the resistance against Sabbath is, of keeping a Sabbath? 
What's that? Yeah, it's impractical. Like, it's just not practical to do that. I've got all these other things in my life that I have to do. I can't stop and have Sabbath. But let's apply that reasoning to anything else. So if someone comes up to you and says, look, I'm sorry, but you don't know how hard it is not to commit murder. Look, I've tried. I've tried giving it up, and it's just not practical for me to stop killing people. What would our response be? Or if someone came up and said, you know, you know how hard it is not to covet? I mean, not coveting is just too impractical anyway. Everybody covets. So just let's covet. Look, idolatry is just not my, idolatry is just my thing. If you want to not practice idolatry, fine. But don't judge me about my choices. Like the rationale we use for ignoring Sabbath wouldn't work on any of these other things. And yet we've come to accept them as just, well, of course that's the argument. Of course that's why we don't do it. Now, here's the warning, though. It is all too easy to go to the other extreme. Instead of ignoring or rationalizing away any practice of Sabbath, Sabbath can become legalistically abused. A setup for constant failure, guilt, and shame. Used this way, it becomes the very opposite of what it is meant to engender, which is freedom. So if you're getting that anxious feeling while I'm talking about it, if you're starting to twitch, if you're starting to come up with all the arguments why you can't and this isn't and I don't and what about, just hold on, hold on. We're not going to turn this into a legalistic thing. We're not going to use it in the other extreme either. We're going to reject both of those things. We're hoping to avoid these extremes and instead find a very different approach and practice. One that combines the why and the how. One that rejects this study as an individual intellectual exercise and instead situates itself in community rhythm, reflection, and grace. So it's not just about what we say up here. It's about what we practice in different places. Of course, this is easier said than done. Like with all things of deep value, this won't happen without intention, resiliency, practice, and humility. It's, it's going to be hard to balance this. If this was easy, people would be doing it. And there's a reason why Brueggemann says this is probably the most neglected and the most difficult. It's because it's not going to come easy. It's not going to be easy. These, our, our understandings, our epiphanies, our practices, our changes are going to be hard won in a way with this. But let's look at, let's look at, let's just touch on the why a little bit to get us going. First of all, it's a witness to ourselves. Sabbath at its core is a gift. It's a gift. It's not a have to. It's a gift. And, and with all, with all the things that we are running around trying to accomplish, well, we talked about this earlier, like the most offensive thing to a competent, capable person is the idea of grace. And a lot of us, we're fine giving gifts, but it's really hard to receive them. It's really hard to admit that we need the thing that we're being given with that. 
And so, but at its core, it is a gift. It's a gift from God that we cannot give ourselves. The gift of the world is endless work, endless want, and endless oppression. Sabbath is God's gift and key to the kind of freedom God wants to give us. I'm not saying it's easy to understand or receive, but that doesn't change the fact that it is the gift of God, it is a gift God is offering. The practice of Sabbath is something that gives form to our faith. Brueggemann, again, he talks about Sabbath as the taproot of God's divine commitment to relationship rather than to commodity. And that's at the core of this is God is in, he gives us Sabbath as a, as a function of relationship, whereas the world only looks at us as people as commodity with that. It's also not only a witness to ourselves, but it's a witness to the outward world. Maybe there's no other thing that differentiates us more from the rest of society than rest. Okay, so here's the modern liturgy of the world. How many, how many times do you have this interaction? I go up to Ryan, saying, hey, Ryan, how's it going? The response is going to be, man, I'm great, but I'm busy, right? And then my response back is, yeah, I'm covered up. I mean, it, it is, if you listen to it, if you watch the pattern in our society, we have elevated that frenetic energy to become the goal of our work. Is how much can I pile on my plate? How much can I jam on my agenda? How much, can, how tight can I pack out my calendar with all these things? And that way, when I'm asked, Man, I can tell you all the things I got going, right? I'm guilty of it. I've done it. And how suspect is it when someone asks you, hey, how you're doing? You go, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I, like, I'm, I'm good. What's going on? I, you know, not much. I mean, that person immediately becomes suspect. There is something wrong with this person. What is going on? Are, are, have, they been, have they done something wrong where they've been excluded? They don't have the opportunities anymore? Or have they shunned the whole system? Are they becoming freeloaders? Are they going to sabotage? I mean, these things subconsciously start going through our mind with that. And then somebody tells you they're going on vacation. I mean, you would think like, of course your friends are all going to be, yes, that's great and stuff. But I guarantee you the people, the majority of the people looking at those vacation pictures of yours on Instagram or Facebook or wherever it is, are not thinking good thoughts about you. They are not enjoying that along with you. They are either jealous or judgmental of what you're experiencing. And in a way they think, why? Why did they get that and I don't with that? I mean, it is. So our practice, our way of resting, our way of organizing and, and orienting from this is a witness to the world that there is a different way to live. That there is a profoundly different way to order your life and to live. <clears throat> the gift of Sabbath is something we can never earn. It's a tangible declaration to the world that we don't serve the market, but the maker. And 
we don't kneel to empire, but to the one true king. And in spite of all the protests to the contrary, Sabbath is incredibly practical. Now, this one will probably take a few weeks to set in for you to believe me, so it's okay. But it's incredibly practical. Sabbath as a practical tool is the answer, or an answer, to our currently overloaded lives. Even as we talked about this, the immediate response is, I don't, I don't have a day to give away. I have too much to do. I cannot give away a day. And yet, time and time again, what we see is that we are very poor in estimating our capacities. We are very poor in really understanding how we work best. And I'm not saying it's going to be painless in any way, but I believe that if we will truly do this, the stuff that we need to get done will get done. In some way, shape, or form that we can do this. It also is critically, and this is where we're going to talk more about this, what I'm really excited about, is that, is that practicing Sabbath is critical in helping us keep the other commandments. It sounds like a standalone commandment. It sounds like something that is isolated from the rest. And yet, we're going to make the argument here that practicing Sabbath actually keeps, allows us to keep the other commandments well with that. And it's very practical for that. But finally, it's also mysterious. Look, engaging in a practice, the, 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 the mysterious thing about this, I was thinking about it. So the Athanasius, Athanasian, Athanasian, Athana, a guy named Athanasius um, had this saying. He said, he said, God became like us so we could become like God. And this is, a, this is a foundational aspect of the Orthodox Church. This is one of their main things, is what they think, is that, hey, part of redemption is that we attend, we don't become gods, but we take on a nature. That is the salvation, is that we take on the divine nature, and that becomes our salvation with this. Now, that's debatable or whatever. But I have thought, I love the confession, because there's this, there's this idea of invitation, of, hey, Come and align yourself with me. I think it's another way of talking about discipleship. When Jesus says, come and follow me, learn from me, take my yoke upon you, watch me, imitate me. When he tells the church, you know, at Pentecost, like, you're going to do, um, well, it was, yes, it was Pentecost. You're going to go and do greater things than I've ever done, right? That's an invitation to take on that nature, character of God, not becoming God's. We're not Mormons. We're not doing that. But there is this aspect of Jesus' character that we can take on. And I was thinking about, you know, so Jesus' character, I want to love like God, so I love. And when I love, I am aligning myself with the nature, the character of God, right? With that. But my love is always a little bit selfish. I can't love purely. I would like to. But there's always a lot. There's, there's just me in there getting in the way. When I give, right, God is generous. When I create, God is creative. I can do all these things, but it's, it's imperfect in a way. And I thought rest might be the best, the one thing that I can do that God does the most like God. 
Like, this might be the one thing that I can really say, okay, I'm going to really learn to rest, and rest in a way that God rests. This is something that God does, and God invites us to participate with God's self in this rest. So over the next few weeks and months, and hopefully for the rest of our lives, actually, we're going to reject the world's narrative of New Year's resolutions and self-help addictions and focus on something incredibly ancient and profoundly necessary to our walk and witness as Jesus followers today. And be encouraged. Look, we're already starting with something of a win. Um, you know, we're going to be talking about and evaluating because we, we don't know if we're going to keep meeting at 4.30 in the afternoon instead of the meeting. And I found it, as much as I'm for it, it's, it's really difficult to change years and years of habit and, and do this in the afternoon, right? Like, or I, it's, as much as I, I, I like it, it's also I have to be very conscientious about it. And how many times has someone been teaching up here and said, as we gather this morning, like it's, it's even in the, in the repetitiveness. But it's also given me a sense of what it might be like to have a time to really rest during the day on a Sunday for the first time that I've ever had in ministry with that. And I think it's giving us this opportunity to see Sabbath differently. So we're already on our way. We're not starting from a dead stop. I want to encourage you with that. Um, we're also going to be talking about it during our table groups going into the, into the spring season with that. And then this summer, we're going to do a whole series on different formative practices and Sabbath is going to be key to that. So we've got a lot of time to work this out. Um, there's also three resources that I want to invite you to dig into. Two are super skinny little books. So if you're in intimidated by big, thick books, these aren't. Now, they're thickly worded, but they're not, there's not a lot of pages. Uh, Walter Brueggemann's, I've mentioned already, his book, Sabbath is Resistance is one of the commentaries we're using. We're also using, and these are all in the learning guides, um, uh, Rabbi Abraham Heschel's seminal work on it called Just Sabbath. It's, it will melt your face. It's a, such a good book. Um, and then there's a, a modern book called The Sabbath World, which is by a, um, a nominal Jewish writer who just talks about it really from a secular social standpoint of what it is. And we're gonna be, uh, we're gonna be using those things as we go. So I'm going to invite the, worship, invite the worship team to come back up. And uh, as they come up, I want to ask you if you know what, what is February 1st? Anybody know what happens February 1st? What do we celebrate on February 1st? February 1st is officially known as Quitter's Day. That is the mean day when people stop following their New Year's resolutions. The majority of the people who make New Year's resolutions make it one month. And then on February 1st, it's over with that. Well, look, y'all, as we do this, we're going to make mistakes. There will be frustrations, false starts and failures. But there will also be, I truly believe this, a whole new way of orienting ourselves in a world desperate for an alternative to the oppression and violence that continues to make God's people cry out today. As we transition now to our time of communion, 
reflection and offering. At Grace, part of the invitation to belong is an invitation to practice Sabbath with our community and also to eat with us at this table. This is something we do as, as a gift, as a reminder that all things that we do start as a gift from God towards us. It's not a matter of our starting it. All of our walk is responsive. Communion is a gift and it is open to anyone who would come. We also reflect during this time because we do live in a noisy world and we'll walk out of here and things will be crazy and your phone will ring and there'll be text messages and emails. And so if something, if you've heard something today that you need to do or reflect or think about, write it down. Use this time to think back and write those things down so that they don't get stolen from you. And then finally, we do our offering now because no one here is without something to give and no one here is without a need. And our offering is part of our worship and the act of sharing. So thank you all for being here today. Thank you for listening to Grace Church of Northwest Arkansas podcast. If you would like to give, you can go to gracechurchnwa.org forward slash give. You can find more about us online at gracechurchnwa.org. Grace and peace.